guys farzine vasugin here for another episode of the chief zone podcast we are going to have a three-peat this week we did a, a podcast recap last night after the game doing one uh on a tuesday night and of course we'll do one tomorrow when we will preview the game between the chiefs and the Bengals. uh we're going to do our week 16 and our week 17 roundup tomorrow or tonight rather excuse me so tomorrow's episode gonna be um not as long uh we'll obviously recap whatever comments we hear from uh, the uh, new heights podcast and also uh hear from andy reed and patrick Mahomes in the press conference the injury report will start there and um we'll obviously break down the game before we get started i want to let you guys know this podcast is brought to you by seat geek go to seatgeek.com get your sporting event tickets from their concerts whatever it is you want to attend i've attended several sporting events this year went to the western conference finals game in las vegas went to uh chiefs lions at arrowhead chiefs raiders at allegiant stadium glad i went to that one instead of the other chiefs raiders game went to a few uh sporting events this year all got them from seat geek and if you're a first time customer of seat geeks go to seatgeek.com put in my promo code farzine you will save 20 dollars off your first purchase from seat geek and you can attend whatever event you want to go to as long as it's available on SeatGeek. If you see a green dot next to the ticket price, that is good. Buy those tickets. Avoid the ones with a red dot next to it. That means you would be paying more than you should for that ticket. So go to SeatGeek.com, get your tickets. And if you're a first-time customer, put in my promo code FARZINE and you will save $20 off your first purchase over at SeatGeek.com. All right. I am not alone on this episode. Uh, we are uh, we are joined by Zach Stegna. If you guys uh, listen to uh, past episodes of the Chief Zone or uh, Forest Cast, you know who Zach is. Zach's done many of these with me before. Zach, Merry Christmas to you. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Merry Christmas to you as well. Yeah. Aside from the one little, like, not super Christmas miracle that we got to deal with yesterday. Yeah. Life it, is good aside out of that. It, it was a Christmas miracle, depending on uh, whose perspective you're you're looking at it from. Um, I got to say, if nothing else, we were certainly in the giving spirit yesterday, gifting the Raiders a win. Uh, not only <laughs> gifting the Raiders a win, gifting them two touchdowns in seven seconds, but uh, it was the most probably viewed. Probably gifted Antonio Pierce a job. Uh, probably, but it was the most viewed Christmas Day game since 1989. There was a much better matchup last night, yet uh, people could not turn away from the Chiefs game. Even the haters are watching, Zach. I blame the Nickelodeon broadcast. Enough little kids probably watched it and me. Uh, But, you know, whatever. (laughs) I did not watch the Nickelodeon. So you said you watched the Nickelodeon broadcast. Is that right? Yeah. I was, you know, looking at it just kind of side eye like, what is this all about? Like, explain yourselves, Um, you know. Because I saw them hype it up on enough other games. I was like, all right, what the hell? It's Christmas. I've already had a couple of eggnogs. Let's see. You know, take a look at this. See what's what. Um, and yeah, did I think that I needed Iron Eagle's kid alongside Nate Burleson yeah. and a freaking Ninja Turtle? Nope, sure didn't. Okay. Was it entertaining? Yeah, sure was. Oh, that's what actually what I wanted to get into. Did, um, did Donatello and Raphael of the Ninja Turtles, did they have any like glowing reviews of the Chiefs offense? Because I, I feel like uh, they're more enjoyable to listen to than Tony Romo. Yeah, they probably were, frankly. Um, the funny thing about it, too, is that because uh, they had one of them that was just like, you know, the little pop up who would explain whatever had happened whenever it was something strange or if it was a big play, they'd have Donatello pop up. But then they had Raphael just like in the booth, so to speak. 
Um, which honestly, I think that's kind of cool that they had the voice actor just jump in and do all of that on the cuff. Like, I just think that's kind of cool. Um, did they show kind of a different way to watch a broadcast? Did they show Isaiah Pacheco getting on the table that broke? They did not. What? I feel like that's what like kids would love that. They would laugh. I mean, it's not funny because he's hurt and whatever, but like, come on, man. Like you got to have a sense of humor for that, that kind of thing. I would think so. I mean, they may have shown it while I looked away. It's entirely possible. Because um, let's be honest, it's Christmas. There's good food in that kitchen. Like, I'm going to get up yeah. and go get it. Let's be real here. What about the, um, the Kelsey the Kelsey so. slam of the helmet? Did they show that? That they absolutely, yeah. And it was funny. They, I think they probably could have done more with it, let's be fair. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the fit that he was pitching at that point. But, eh, it was, it was one of those things that, Basically, you could picture your normal broadcast because, again, it was Noah Eagle who like does yeah. other games fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the the play by play was still pretty much the same with a little bit of like you know nonsense sprinkled in, uh, but then just basically geared towards like think little kids. So they're explaining a lot more as they go. So frankly, like if I was a first time football watcher with all of the questions of like, okay, wait, so what is that? for insert penalty here or something like that. It was actually a really good way to watch the game. Yeah, I've watched, uh, I think in 2020, they did a Nickelodeon broadcast, 2020 or 2021. I can't remember what year it was uh, for the playoffs. And so I was really curious and um, they ended up giving the MVP, the Nickelodeon Valuable Player Award mm-hmm. to Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears lost that game like 30 to three or something like that. I'm like, Sounds about right. How the hell? Because that was just a popularity vote. Yeah, that's really what it was. Like, um, honestly, I was blown away that Travis Kelsey didn't win it. I figured that the Taylor Swift factor was just going to carry him <laughs> to that victory, and it looked that way for a while, but they ended up giving it to the guy who got the scoop and score on us. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. His name already escapes me, which is probably for the best. Yeah, probably. Um, let's talk about this team, man, because uh, they started 6-1, and one, and I think a lot of people, not just in Kansas City, but even outside of Kansas City, they looked at this and they said, okay, this is not the normal typical Chiefs offense. They'll figure it out. Um, I'll, listen, I listen to a lot of uh, national radio. I'll listen to local radio sometimes, but I like the national stuff better because they do talk about the Chiefs far more now than they did in years past. And you know a lot about that. Um, but, you know, everyone said the Chiefs were going to pick it up. And even the game against um, the Eagles when MVS dropped that pass. Everyone was like, okay, they'll figure it out. This has to be the wake-up call. And then the uh, the whole Buffalo Bills situation, uh, I was listening to a Rich and Cavino, and they said something along the lines like, okay, this might, like the blow up at the ref. Okay, yeah, he was mad at the ref, but I think it's also like part of, you know, him being mad at the way everything's been, ha- the way things have been happening this year on offense. And the yeah. thought was, okay, maybe that will wake up the team. Now it's like, okay, you're just like relying on every single thing to be a wake-up call, and nothing is a wake-up call. We keep hearing the same things. Spoiler alert, tomorrow on Travis Kelsey's podcast, you will hear him say, we will figure it out, or something along the lines of that. Um what is your takeaway from these offensive struggles? Because what ha- what has happened in week one, the issues, the mistakes are still happening today, which is very frustrating to see. Yeah, like you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Where I think that, I, I mean, I understand why so many people have suggested that, look, we're going to get this, you know, fixed because it's Mahomes. Pl- plain and simple, like, there has been no evidence up to this point in his career that Mahomes wasn't going to turn it around. 
and don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming him for this. I want to be very clear yeah. out of the gate there. But I, yeah, I think that he earned the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt. And frankly, I I put it in two you know camps at, at this point. You know, the one is the offense is different. Let's not forget that you know the offense that Matt Nagy ran that got him the head coaching job in Chicago is not a Mahomes offense. That was an Alex Smith offense. And if you look at the passing charts, yeah. well, it's kind of the same vibe. Uh, maybe not you know the same level of downfield threat. It's just it is what it is. Um, not how I would like it to be, but again, I've accepted it at this point that the offense is just going to be limited this year, partially because of play design, partially because of receiving core, because that's the other piece of this that, you know, needs to be mentioned is that the receiving core has, you know, I think earned their lack of the lack of faith that Mahomes clearly has in them. Uh, you know, I don't, you don't see him taking the deep shots down to MVS downfield anymore because he knows that's a wasted ball, plain and simple. (laughs) And, you know, that sounds super callous to say, like, yeah, that's a grown man with a family. Um, but at the same time, that's a grown man with a family who's making $11 million to catch that damn ball. 100%. And he just doesn't. Because uh, if you look at all of our losses this year, you can point to, like, one or two bits here. In, I mean, with the exception of this most recent one, uh, you can point to one or two things where it's like, man, you just make that catch. You, you know, Kadarius Tony doesn't have, you know, the – you know, what ended up being the pick six for the Lions that was the difference in that game, you know, bounce off his hands, chest, and into the end zone. You know, like there was just little things here and there. But I think that it has festered. And I yeah. think it ultimately does come down yeah. to coaching. Like this is one thing where it, I think the difference between Nagy and Biennemi, aside from schematically, I think there is just like the stylistic aspect of things where I think the way that Nagy carries himself is a lot like Andy Reid, where he's very much just a player's coach. You know, he expects you know, a high level out of them don't get me wrong but he's not the eric the enemy style um you know the guy who's going to get in your face if you're not living up to whatever standard he's set he doesn't strike me as that sort of guy and based on all the results i'm seeing i think we need someone who's willing to you know jump up in a guy's face and say no this is the standard you run the route the right way i mean there were a few of them it's i can't believe we're actually at this point where during during broadcasts now like i'm watching you know each route seeing like okay you know if mahomes underthrows something it's not because mahomes short arms something we know he doesn't do that yeah. as a general rule yeah unless he's on a rollout and he you know even then though that's not really a thing he does um so when he leaves one just like you know 10 five you know five ten yards shy of his receiver i assume okay that's a receiver who ran a post when he should have been running a comeback yeah. great um yeah. It's ridiculous that we're at that point. Here's my thing, and by the way, by the way, I don't. I can hear a little bit of a feedback from your end. I don't know if um, the volume is that that might uh, play a factor, um, but I'll let you. It's not too bad right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's it, it's fine. any better? Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Okay, we're good. Um, I, I do want to. I do want to read this comment. Not all of it, but the last sentence. He says uh, these receivers can't get open, and Mahomes was running for his life yesterday. So he ran ten times yesterday. Probably should have ran a little more. There was one play in the first half. I can't remember offense. exactly when. Yeah, it was um, where he looked like he had a very clear path for a first down at the very least, but then he ended up like throwing it last second. I think he's done that kind of thing a lot this year. Um, Here's my thing, because in that game, I don't remember what it was. I think they ended the first quarter with minus 12 or minus 18 total yards. They finished the game 
with 360 yards and they uh, outgained the Raiders by just two yards. Obviously, the Raiders got a lot of um, yardage on that final drive, which, listen, the defense, uh, the only times I can really criticize the defense this year was the Packers game and the final drive of this game. It's like, and listen, I, I do think the the defense, their weakness is stopping the run. I'm surprised more teams don't utilize that. You saw backup have no issues running on the chiefs, especially on that final drive right there. Um, so they definitely, Oh, by the way, I am uh, looking at the wrong. Um, I'm looking at the wrong game. Give bear with me one second. Um, but the Raiders did have more yards than the, um, than the Raiders uh, to finish. And obviously the whole thing with Aiden O'Connell not completing a pass for more than two hours, the last three quarters, like his last completion was, uh, what? when was it? Like late in the first quarter, by the way, total yardage, Kansas City 308, Raiders 205. So even worse. Um, yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. Uh, and the Chiefs- Like our defense played their butts off. Yeah. Like, uh, the, the Raiders' best offense was our offense handing them points. 74 total plays for the Chiefs, 52 for the Raiders. That has not been the case. Uh, like you see time of possession um, either very close or not in Kansas City's favor. This one was, and I've said this for a long time, time of possession is a very underrated stat in football. And the Chiefs dominated time of possession in this game, but they just could not get anything going. This is what, I, what I'm trying to get to here, Zach, because... Um, they outgained the Raiders despite having negative yardage to end the first quarter. Zach, this is just like a, a simple question. If I had to ask you just a pop quiz here, where do the Chiefs rank in total offense? Uh, so meaning how many yards they gain per game on average? What, what, what do you think they're ranked? Like, you know, one to 32? Yeah. I'm going to go with like 12. Okay, you're very close. It's actually oh, ninth. Up. So to give you an idea, it's Miami, okay. San Francisco, Detroit, Buffalo, Baltimore, Dallas, the Rams, the Eagles, and then the Chiefs at number nine. And then behind them, to give you an idea, Vikings, Texans, Jaguars, Browns, Saints, Colts, and so on. Um, Seems about right. So they, I mean, not even, the top five or top three that we're used to, though. Yeah, no, that 100%. But... Because I, I, I was listening to Nick Wright on his show today, and he said, look, you just need to be average with this with this offense. And he's right. See, even though there are issues finding open receivers, they're still finding ways to move the football. Now, here's the killer. The uh, turnover differential, very low. I think it's the second worst in the NFL. And they, had, they do have a lot of drive killers. Like even in the Buffalo game, it didn't lead to Buffalo cashing in on points, but like, you know, Rasheed Rice, who has been good for the Chiefs this year, but in that game, you know, Chiefs offense was in getting into a rhythm and then Rasheed Rice fumbles and Buffalo gets the ball there. So it's like those drive killers right there with the turnovers and the lack of execution in the red zone that has really hurt the team this year obviously in addition to the drops um yeah i mean those kinds of things hurt for sure i don't think the offensive line was as bad yesterday as some are saying like joan taylor and um and Juwan um, taylor was bad yeah yeah joan taylor was bad uh but there were times where he was able to you know give mahomes some time and then uh one more the left tackle max crosby who is just Better yeah. than he is. Like Max Crosby is probably a top three defensive end or top three pass rusher in the league. Uh, see, I agree. You know, I no, you're maybe right. Watt ahead of him. You're right. You're right. But if you're getting paid that kind of money, I think you expect much more mm -hmm. from Juwan Taylor. And then Wanya yeah, Morris. Like at least don't get cooked. 
<laughs> yeah, th- that's true. Uh, Wanya Morris, you know, I, I think he's played well this year, though. You know, he did have, you know, rookie yeah. moments uh, yesterday for sure. Um, so what do you make of that? Benefit of the doubt, in my view. What, what, what um, do you what do you yeah. make of that? The fact that this team can move the ball, but they do stall a lot of times in their drives. That, I think, is another like point of emphasis that not a lot of people are talking about, I think. Yeah, I think it really comes down to kind of like I was mentioning earlier. It's like sort of a level of that attention to detail. Uh, in the standard that I think, you know, where the enemy would absolutely be shouting you down if you, yeah. you know, weren't living up to it. I think that there are the, just those, like, it is just that accumulation of little things. It is death by a thousand paper cuts that has led to this offense being yardage wise, pretty solid, but for some reason just isn't punching it in, you know, getting the job done or, you know, is killing themselves on drives just with, you know, shooting themselves in the foot with a penalty. I remember. I don't know if that's still the case, but I'm pretty sure our offensive line is one of, if not the most penalized in the NFL. Yeah. And that's partially just because we have Jawan Taylor and no one else does. Uh, <laughs> and obviously that was, you know, that was already litigated early enough in the season. Uh, I don't need to you know, beat that dead horse. It's still dead. But yeah, you know, th- I think that it is so frustrating to watch the fact that it is just the accumulation of little errors, like little things like drops penalties that it, it just seems to be, a snowball effect at this point where it's just like enough of an accumulation of those things. And all of a sudden the offense just is unrecognizable. Um, You know, I think that that's where you're seeing some of the frustrations boil over because it is like, I, I don't know how to describe the fact that, you know, if we were just getting dusted by teams where it's like, look, this just isn't a team that's built to win. Uh, You know, it's just like, we've seen those chiefs teams before. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Pioli years come immediately to mind. Um, you know, stuff like that. That's one thing you can, ex- you can stomach a loss like this where it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of par for the course with these guys, but this is not that sort of team. You know, this is a team that coming in from the off season, we thought that, you know, okay. Yeah. The receiving core, we lost Juju, but we replaced him with Rasheed Rice. Like that's really the only fundamental difference in the receiving yeah. core on paper. Now the regression factor is very much a difference. I don't think that we realized how much we miss Greg Lewis, the old wide receivers coach who followed the enemy to Washington yeah. or the enemy, obviously. Um, I think that coaching matters. That's abundantly clear. Um, you know, did we expect to see MVS sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony all regress so heavily? I sure didn't. No. See, this is an interesting, this is the perfect segue because I did want to get into the coaching now. Um, Because I'm seeing a lot of people, there there are a lot of people, like the two people that a lot of people are criticizing are Eric Bienemy, or I'm sorry, not Eric Bienemy, Matt Nagy and uh, Connor Embry. uh, Which, by the way, before we get into the coaching, a lot of people were ready to move on from Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Neither of them played yesterday. Sky Moore on IR and Kadarius Tony, of course, was inactive with a hip injury. Well, the two guys that a lot of people want to move on from, they you can't blame them for yesterday's game. So something tells me, and again, it's not just one player that's dropping passes. The entire offense has just been bad with that and kind of makes me wonder, like that entire wide receiver room, is, is that on Connor Embry? And by the way, I've, I've seen some people push back on... Um, on the Nagy and Embry criticism saying, well, they're not dropping passes. Okay. Um, true. But here's the thing. Um, I'll use Brandon Staley as an example. He, he, he has, he's been a really bad coach this year. And of course the last two games of last year for the chargers, but you know, 
uh, Brandon Staley did not allow 63 points. He wasn't on the field doing it, but that was the game that essentially was the final nail in the coffin and the Chargers fired him because coaching, as you said, coaching does matter. I still remember when the Chiefs went from Romeo Cornell to Andy Reid. Um, they had a lot of the same play. Like defensively, they only changed three starters. Offensively, yeah, you changed your quarterback and a couple of other positions there. But for the most part, you had the same team. Uh, and I remember Tom Bahali mm-hmm. did an interview um, that year and said it's coaching. Like that's the biggest difference in the team. Yeah. So you know. It so to, to to you, here's what I want to know because. I do think Nagy and and Embry need to be looked at and maybe some changes there, though I don't know if I'm expecting it because Andy Reid does have a very close relationship with uh, Matt Nagy. But a lot of people are saying that this offense looks a lot like the offense he had in uh, Chicago. And I don't want to compare him to what he did as a head coach because you have far more responsibilities as as a head coach. But you cannot dismiss the idea that the offenses do look very similar where routes are not being run properly. Uh, you're not seeing guys get open, and essentially it's hurting your offense. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I I think it's fair to knock the coaching. Like, let's be real here. So we'll use Connor Embry, right? You know, he – we know he, he is the son of John Embry, a longtime NFL assistant coach yeah. who has been fairly well regarded everywhere he's been. He, he was the um, tight ends coach for uh, with Herm Edwards, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know that there's a laundry list of other places he's played, um, but you look at, you know, Connor, right? I, I think the most coaching success he's had was at Blue Valley West of all places. Um, I'm pretty confident of that, actually. Rep, rep in um, Blue Valley West. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, this is a guy who you, know, you and I were both at Kansas for the, you know, Charlie Weiss years. Yes. Um, Connor played there as a wide receiver slash running back and couldn't see the field during some of the most abysmal times in Kansas football history. So I don't want to like, yeah, totally throw him under a bus for his playing career. Cause that's not the point, but I do think that the, his youth for one, cause he's not that much older than you and me. No. Uh, you know, his youth is one thing. And that combined with the fact that like, he just never really did it at a high level. Um, uh, I think that that's probably hard to command a room full of grown adults making millions of dollars more than you. Yeah. Like that's a tough place to be. That is actually a really um, good point. I I don't think people realize that sometimes. And like, you know, frankly, I, I saw the one press conference that he did a few weeks back and it was, you know, cringy as can be, of course, because it's a guy who was just, you could tell he just wasn't comfortable in front of the mic. And I get that he's new to that. I, I understand where, you know, you don't want to say anything you shouldn't. You want to just kind of toe the party line. And it's one of his first times that I'm aware of where he's been in front of the media. So I didn't want to totally throw that in there. But I do think that it belies a lack of confidence that he has, which, again, when you're the guy who is tasked with making all of these millionaires, you know, do basic things like their job, catch the football, uh, you know, there's only so much you can do. Uh, it's kind of funny because there is actually like a former NFL wide receiver on staff. We've got Todd Pinkston who coaches running backs. Cause that makes sense. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, th- at least he's been there. You'd think he might be able to say like, Hey, look, you know, right here, you make the little donut and it, the, the ball goes in. It's very simple. <laughs> you saw my homes do that. I don't know what, how they coach that. Yeah. 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 You would think he'd be able to, but at the same time, I think there's just like enough little, like, 
I, I think it's a consistency thing though when it really comes down to it like you can harp on it you know every now and again but if it's not a daily thing where like that's just the culture like we don't drop the ball in this room that's our thing you know you're whatever it is in practice when stuff like that happens like it's known from the word go that it's unacceptable you don't move past it you run it again little things yeah. like that that clearly aren't being done yeah yeah and, and then exactly. like and you mentioned his press conference too he said something he's like he's like we got seven or eight receivers and they can all play it's like i don't know can um, i mean listen to give you like a reference um amari cooper who you know balled out this week he has more yards in one game than Kadarius Tony's had all year. Like that's how bad. And by the way, Kadarius Tony's a guy that you know possesses a great skill set. McCole Hardman possesses a great skill set, and I don't want to give up on these guys because yeah, they do have the potential to do a lot of damage on defenses. But Jesus Christ, man! I mean, if you're not catching footballs, if you're dropping them, then the rest of your skill set's really useless at that point. Yeah, that's the biggest trick with Tony. I mean, that dude is electric with the ball in his hands. It's mm. getting the ball to his hands that is the problem. <laughs> like, if you can't catch the ball as a wide receiver, if you cannot receive the ball, it's right there in the freaking job title, not even the job description. I don't even know what else to say beyond that. And then you have, you know, Sky, of course, who is, you know, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire of receivers, which is to say too short, too slow, can't get open, you know. Ironically, I'm going to walk that straight back because Clyde played his ass yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So people I'm... are, you know, they're coming around with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but that's because the standard's really low right now with this offense. Uh, so that's not really that's saying exactly much. Right. But, well you know, it, yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. He has been playing better lately. So um, it is nice to see considering, you know, we need someone to step up. And, uh, you know, I, I think he does kind of have a tail under his ass because there were a lot of rumors that he was on his way out before the draft and they ended up keeping him. Not exactly sure what was supposed to happen, what was close to happening or what, but he's here and I think he's trying to make the most of it. Um, that dude wants another contract, whether it's yeah. here or anywhere else. Yeah. Because realistically, that is what Clyde's playing for. So when you see him running like he's angry, he probably is. You know, he's running because his career kind of is hanging in the balance. Like, just because you're a first-round pick doesn't guarantee you a second contract. And I think both he and Tony are going to learn that the hard way. Um, um, I've been, it is what it is. I've been talking to a couple of former Chiefs about this um, over the weekend. You know, just, you know, exchanging Merry Christmas messages, texts, whatnot, sure. and obviously talking about the uh, the team. Um, one of them said, you know, we don't necessarily need Eric Bieniemy back. But we do need someone that's going to have a backbone and stand up to Mahomes. Because here's the thing, like, okay, Mahomes is great. Mm -hmm. We all love Mahomes. He's been great. Obviously, he's done a lot of things both on and off the field, has really done a lot for the oh, city yeah. in a short amount of time. But, you know, the guy's not above criticism. I mean, you, you know, no. Kelsey. Because like, there were two picks yesterday that yeah. were inexcusable. One of them was end up, ended up dropped. But yeah. the pick six, like, I mean, I get it. He was trying to make a play. And frankly, the second one that ended up being dropped, like based on the angle that I could see on the camera, like he just didn't see the dude coming streaking in because he had two giant defensive linemen right in his face. But still, you can't throw that ball. There. Well, even like, Tony Romo, he just called out Marquise Valdez-Scantling. He goes, he quit on that route. And everyone said that, you know, live on Twitter as that play happened. It's like, dude, keep running. Why are you stopping on your route right there? Um, but, the, you know, we've got already gone over that with this uh, with this receiving core. Um, but that it, is that is one of those things, though, that it does circle back to the coaching aspect. Yeah, that's Whether what I wanted to go to emphasizing it or he's emphasizing it and they aren't listening to him. Whatever it is, clearly the message is not being adequately conveyed. And as unfair as this part is, because he could very well be doing and saying all of the right things as a coach. But if it's not getting through, 
well, let's be real. I mentioned earlier that his job is to get all of these millionaires to do their job more effectively, and he is not one himself. That's just a fact. And realistically, which of those things is the most expendable due to the nature of his contract? It's the coach, always. That is, you know, the story across professional sports. Doesn't matter when, where, you know, the athletes are, you, you can't rehaul your roster every year, but you can overhaul your coaching staff and placate your fan base that way. Even if the coaching staff was doing some of the right things, like it's just kind of a tale as old as time, I hate to say. Um, and yeah, I think that's what needs to happen this offseason, even if it's largely ceremonial, man. Like something has to give. Okay, here's my thing. I think Nagy's staying because Reed and Nagy have a very close relationship. You know how many opportunities Reed gave to Bob Sutton, but the wide receivers coach, I can I can see a change happening there. Um and listen, I don't expect he's him. I, I don't simple. I don't expect him to throw anyone under the under the bus, but people were kind of upset by Andy Reid's comments when he said, Yeah, you know, Connor Embry's done a great job because look at Rasheed Rice. It's like, well, I guess one out of eight is a is a success rate on this off. But again, you know, and a lot of teams are are this way, but um, you you're just not gonna see public criticism that way. Uh, but I do think Nagy's gonna stay. And I do respect that. Yeah, so yeah, like, 100%. I, I get not throwing the dude square under the bus because, look, you know, these guys are grown men with families as well who, you know, ostensibly want to be able to get another job. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, call for people's jobs, you know, willy nilly. That's, yeah, just not, that's not the role I want in any shape or form. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge at some point that the results just aren't there. Uh, here's and maybe it's time to change it up. Here's the thing, because um, moving forward, uh, they're no longer uh, in play for the number one seed. Number two seed, yeah, maybe, but I'm not expecting it. I think I think they'll end up with the three seed. The four seed is, I don't think they, they're going to drop that far. In fact, I would not be surprised if the Colts overtook the Jaguars, but that's not anything to, to really worry about right now. Um, in fact, I'll even say this right now. I'll say this right now. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, that's been a rough year for him. Um a Buffalo has a better chance at a two seed than the Chiefs. Um, think about that. That's they do. That's, and that's, also the other piece of that that even if they don't get that two seed and Miami continues to win out, uh, and Buffalo like that puts Buffalo at that six seed, which for those of you keeping score at home means their asses come into Arrowhead <laughs> to kick ours. Uh, yeah, even though uh, we've had their number in the playoffs, I don't know if that happens this time around. I'll yeah. say this right now: yeah. if it's the Browns or the uh, Bills, I think they—I I would have to pick those two teams to win. If it's a team like the Colts or maybe somehow the Jaguars, which I doubt, coming to Arrowhead, um, but I don't think the Chiefs are gonna—the Chiefs would need to get a two seed in order for that to happen, which I don't yeah. think happens. Um, okay, a couple more other things I wanted to ask you. So um, they're gonna be playing. Two of the four worst defenses to end the year. Obviously, the Chargers are just terrible. Uh, we saw, you know, how terrible they were against the Raiders. That the the, the the guy who could not complete a no, pass sort of. for more than two hours was able to lead his team to 63 points against the Chargers. And then the Bengals, I mean, they're just a horrible defense. Um, they can't honestly, the Bengals defense reminds me of the Chiefs defense during the Dick Vermeil era, which we do not want to relive those years, not one bit, but um but yeah, Anna Rumo's I, had Mahomes' number, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like that's the – I'm with you 100% on like, hey, it'd be nice if, you know, these two defense – but, like, we do still carry that target on our back, especially with the Bengals and, frankly, with the Chargers, who, like, the Chargers, I mean, they gave the Bills a run, sort of, but that's because the Bills tried to see exactly how many rakes they could step on and still win. Um, 
I forget. I, I forget. I think it was one of the Buffalo beat writers put it that way. I'm like, that's perfection. I'm shamelessly stealing that. So credit to whichever Buffalo writer said they stepped on as many rakes as they could. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the way the Chiefs have been stepping on rakes, man, like I don't think either of those games is a gimme. And I know some of that's still the hangover from yesterday. I was like, I would say the Chargers, they can win that game. The Bengals won. The thing that I'm kind of leaning on is obviously I, I think the defense will be good. I think Jake Browning and that offense, they really, you know, kind of reverted back a bit. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Orlando Brown, who, you know, thank God he's no longer <laughs> on this team. Um, him and Carl Jonah. Elite is lunch. Him and Jonah. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> him and Jonah Williams have allowed. I think it's I, I have it somewhere. I don't have it in front of me. They've allowed um, the most pressures of any offensive tackle duo in the NFL. So. Uh, Carl Loftus, Dana, uh, Chris Jones, like they got a, I expect him to have another good game. I think they'll get, they'll give up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. I mean, at that point, you just got to hope the chiefs can take advantage of a really bad defense at that point. Yeah. And I mean, look, we need these as get right games. Like I I genuinely hope beyond hope that all of the talking points that, you know, Reed, Kelsey, the homes are going to have where it's like, look, we just got to get it right. It's the little things we have to fix. And that's not wrong. It is a bunch of little things. They have killed themselves with a thousand paper cuts. Like if they just stop shooting themselves in the foot, it'd be interesting to see what this team can be. They have shot themselves in the foot so consistently this year that I'm not sure what that even looks like with this team. I can't remember the last game where I was like, I mean, maybe the Bears game when we just absolutely boat raced them early in the year. Yeah, that's that the only really good game. Like we had gotten right. Uh, but that's not a good example because the Bears were terrible. Uh, like I can't. Other, other than that, I can't think of too many times where this team looked like the Mahomes era Chiefs teams of you know that we've become accustomed to. Like for the first time, I think really ever, you know, we were down and it felt like we were genuinely out. Um, like I knew statistically we were still in it, and it's like, well, hey, we could pull off some magic maybe, but it just didn't feel like we were going to yesterday. Um, and I think that's a sad indictment on you know, a lot of things that have changed, whether it's the receiving core, the coaching, whatever, all the above, realistically, it's a shame that, you know, Mahomes, who has been, you know, his, one of his trademarks has been, he's down, but he's never out. Yeah. Um, Cause he'll just find a way to, you know, pull a miracle out of his behind. Um, you know, he's pulled plenty of miracles out, but they get dropped. Yeah. That's a, uh, literally dropped. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, this year, I heard Nate Bucati mention uh, this morning that they have not had a single game-winning drive this year, and that's 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 true. Yeah, um, they did come back in that Raiders game. I'm trying to think. Was there one? Was there like another game where they were down early, but then they came back? I don't think that's been the case. Um, I say we we've really. I mean, we've been blessed with a defense that has been really, really good and has been able yeah. to paper over the fact that our offense has just been sputtering left and right. So, so here's my thing. Um, I think, you know, uh, the, the Super Bowl would be a miracle at this point. Um, even if they fi- somehow find a way to reach the AFC title game, uh, and if they lose that, you know, it, to me, it's still a failed season because of how, maybe, maybe not by the team standard right this moment, but with the way, you know, expectations were coming into this uh, season, no one thought they would be this bad uh, or regress this much. Um, by the way, I'm seeing a lot of other, you know, finger pointing. A lot of people are saying the commercials, you know, because evidently they filmed them live on the field during those TV timeouts. I'm seeing a lot of people blame Taylor Swift. I think she's responsible for some of the play calling. Uh, I saw someone mm-hmm. say Brittany Mahomes needs to stay home. 
You know, I, I, I she's clearly calling the play, Zach. I'm seeing a lot of other mm. uh, finger pointing there. That is one of those things that I just like. You have to laugh because that's just people who are cranky, just you know, yelling at windmills, man. Like it's just <laughs> it playing is what it is. But I mean, like here's the thing: I understand to a degree where people are coming from with the Taylor Swift thing, and when I say to a degree, I only mean this: Travis Kelsey has not been the Travis Kelsey of old. But that's not because he's dating Taylor Swift. It's because no. he's 34. Like, father well, time is undefeated. Well, and listen, he plays a tough position. Not just 34. He, like, okay, before this season, I think he was on the Pat McAfee show. And he was saying, he's like, yeah, I can do this for more years. Uh, which I which I believed. But he had that knee injury right before the season started. In that Vikings game, he had that ankle injury, which looked really bad. But he ended up coming back. Yeah. Understand something. So, he missed one game. And he's had two injuries. And I think he's covered like a weird elbow stinger against the Patriots, but yeah. it, does, it doesn't seem like that was a, a bigger deal other than just he needed to exit the game early. Um, he is third in receptions and second in receiving yards among tight ends. And he's going to end up being first because TJ Hawkinson is, is out for the year. So, you know, even though he's not having the season, we'd all like for him to have, he's still one of the better tight ends out there right now. Oh yeah. I think the other difference that, you know, I, I mentioned the 34 and it's like really easy to just like hammer on age here, but it's equal parts. So yes, he's 34. And so he isn't quite what he once was, but he's also getting double and triple teamed all the time because there's no other viable threats on the yeah, offense exactly. outside of Rasheed Rice. Like, so that ha like it's not one of these things. It's all of these things. And, you know, I think there's plenty of blame to go around and that includes to, you know, 15, frankly, like, you know, the entire team has to take some accountability for the way that this has gone. And I hope to God they're getting it right this week. If they come out and just absolutely boat race the Bengals and the offense looks fixed, you know, maybe I'll be sitting here like, sweet, let's have some word salad because, you know, you got to eat that. Uh, I'd love that, but I'm not betting on it, frankly. Yeah, I mean, listen, honestly, I, the one that I don't know if you saw, did you see Seabolt's take, uh, Curtis, the guy who does the other uh, Petro show? I saw he had a really um, long tweet, but I didn't read all of it. Oh, he it's a super long tweet so like definitely worth the uh worth the read but he absolutely hit the mark across the board just like yeah he he managed to just hit every piece um you know it's an organizational thing like you know veach bears some blame the wide receivers you know we could lose everybody but rasheed rice and be pretty okay with that next year um and frankly, I don't think, you know, his his words, you know, there's not a single coach on the offensive side who can make a compelling case for retention. And that includes Matt Nagy. And I think he's right because it's just been disorganized, chaotic, sloppy, um, you know, all the sorts of things that we don't associate with Chiefs teams, especially on offense. Um, and, you know, some goes on Andy, too. You know, yeah, because there, there's one thing we could say about what we saw yesterday, irrespective of all of the errors that we have talked about so far. One thing that was abundantly clear, the MVP of that game yesterday was the Raiders defensive line and the defense as a whole, because yeah. they came ready to frickin play. They were ready to punch us in the mouth and they did repeatedly. 23 pressures. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the only time I've seen Mahomes run for his life more was that Super Bowl that we won't talk about again. <laughs> Um, frankly, there were a lot of parallels between that game and the one we saw yesterday, where even down to the lack of hope. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, I agree with you. That that did look a lot like Super Bowl 55, except, you know, he was at least hitting receivers in the end zone. They just, you know, dropped it. But 
that's also happening this year as well. Well, you know, kind of like, uh, uh-huh. Go ahead. Well, the other piece is that, you know, the, yeah, the only difference between, I'd say that and the Super Bowl is one, obviously it's a Super Bowl versus, you know, a Christmas day game, but also the fact that, you know, the touchdowns that the other team scored were because we handed to them on a silver platter. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And listen, have the Chiefs been shooting themselves on the foot with the drops, like in the Lions game, the Eagles game, um, and then the turnovers? Yeah, but you know, um, it, it still, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're not giving them credit, but you know, uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're, that's what you're supposed to do: take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Uh, what did you want to ask? Oh, yeah. So I was just going to ask you point blank: point to a loss we've had this season where it felt like the other team just absolutely beat us instead of us beating. I think the only one I can really say is that Packers game. I think, you know, they just play better in the offense, you know, again, you know, they hurt themselves by not by having field goals instead of touchdowns early on. But I just think that's the only one I can really say the chiefs just got uh, like the the Packers just absolutely had a better game plan. That's the only one I can really say. That's, that's kind of what I was expecting to hear because I mean, we've had so many just like close losses, and I think it's just a testament to look, the NFL, it's a tight margin of error, always has been. Yeah. And Andy Reid has been the master of that the same way that, you know, you look at, I'm trying to think of like other coaches who have historically been similar in that regard. I mean, Belichick during the Brady era, I suppose. Um, But, you know, it's like the the record in one score games is impeccable. It's like Bill Self. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said for that, but... This year, I think we've just had too many self-inflicted wounds. I mean, there was just, you know, the, we've we've seen them all. You know, even the, what was that? What just popped up? Oh, no, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'll, I'll get to it shortly. Oh, no, I was done. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, was, Daniel, Daniel was talking about Andy Reid being cute and all that. Here's the thing, and it's so hard because I kind of self-contradicted myself during the game. Because uh, that Isaiah Pacheco touchdown, awesome. Like, you the I don't like that we had to go that deep into the bag of tricks to get a touchdown against the Raiders, yeah. but hey, it um, needed to happen and it got done. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the few times where you were able to fool that defensive line, one of the very few times. Um, but then, you know, and I, I even said on Twitter, I'm like, more of that, please. But then, you know, mm-hmm. in the shadow of your own end zone, you have this weird handoff. Some are blaming Mahomes. Some are blaming, blaming Pacheco. I think Mahomes was supposed to pitch it to Richie Rice also, uh, which, you know, we'll never know how that was going to go. But then it's like, you know, um, here's the thing with trick plays. If they work, awesome. The coach is gutsy. The players are awesome for executing it. But if they don't work, it's the complete opposite. Hey, why did you Why did you run it on, uh, you know, near your own end zone? The tight end, the weird tight end handoff sneak uh, in, in week one. Why do you do that on third down? Yeah. Those kinds of questions always get brought up. So tr- trick plays are always a weird thing to uh, criticize. But, you know, don't do it backed up in your own end zone. By the way, do you remember the Chiefs-Steelers playoff game where... McCall the one Hart. where we didn't score a touchdown? No. Uh, well, thanks for reminding me of that one. Um, no, this, this one we won. This was the one where Travis Kelsey threw a touchdown pass, but that's not what I want to get into. Oh, yeah. The first uh-huh. the first touchdown of the game was a defensive touchdown by the Steelers because McCall Hardman, I think he was trying to hand it off to someone. Like, he took the snap, and they just could not have a proper handoff. It's like, man, just why is that still in the playbook? Why is that play still there? Um, 
The Bengals ran a weird play against the Jaguars. And this was like when Jake Browning had only two or three incompletions and they're having Tyler Boyd throw a pass, which he threw it straight to a, a Jaguars defender. It's like, why are you taking the ball away from your quarterback? That's doing well. Not that yeah. Mahomes was doing great, but Jesus Christ, man, like don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. It just seemed unnecessary. Um, like if they were pulling something, I mean, and again, who knows what would have taken place there had the play, you know, gotten past the snap. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of the nature of trick plays like you covered a little bit ago. So, yeah, they're they're brilliant when they work and when they're not, they're too cute. Um, I will never understand why we chose to do it right then and there. Um, and I also just think it's strange where it's like, why are we having the running back handoff to the quarterback? That does that just seems like an unnecessary opportunity to fumble. Because let's be honest, every single handoff, like that's one of the things I think needs to be accounted for in trick plays realistically, is that every handoff or pitch or whatever is a fumble opportunity. And it's a risk reward calculation at that point. I'm trying um, to, uh, oh, go and, ahead. Yeah, I think we don't always, I was just going to say, like, I don't think we always, you know, calculate the risk sufficiently. Um, I'm trying to uh, look up the, um, who that uh, exchange was. So I don't know, for some reason I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast also, and it was killing me not being able to remember who it was. Uh, and I'm trying to get through these high noon ads on YouTube because Lord knows, you know, <laughs> just even uh, fast forwarding like 30 seconds of a video, you, uh, you run into an ad. Um, by the way, while I'm yeah, trying to right. look for that, Travis Kelsey, you know, again, we talked about, um, oh, I think I found the play, so I'll get to that shortly. Um, Travis Kelsey can become the seventh player in NFL history to get eight straight seasons of 1,000 receiving yards. Obviously, no tight end has even come close to doing that as many times uh, in a career. But the other six receivers to do that, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, Chris Carter, Marvin Harrison, Torrey Holt, and Mike Evans. Obviously, Mike Evans still playing in the NFL, and everyone makes the yeah. point that he has uh, 1,000 yards almost every year. Um, and Kelsey would be part of that very rare list. By the way, um, and listen, I, I've accepted the fact that there is not going to be a Super Bowl this year, but I just want one yep. thing because I don't think Kelsey has a lot of time left. He is right now yep. tied with Jerry Rice for most 100-yard receiving playoff games. Okay. I just I just want him to get that, you know, because I, yeah, be awesome. I, I don't think he's playing further than next season. I don't think he is. Yeah, that's a whole different can of worms that I hope to God I'm wrong about, but yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you, if not, maybe even sooner, knock on wood, because I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, he, again, he doesn't look like the Travis of old. I think that he could easily have another three years if he doesn't have to be the guy every time. Like, if we were to go into the offseason, you know, retool wide receiver-wise, and frankly, you know, the other guy that I'd really like to see in red and gold, you know, is uh, actually it's another tight end Noah Fant out of Seattle slash was it with Denver before? Yeah, I like um, him too. Yeah, you know, that dude is not built to be in the system that he's in. He's built to be in our system. Um, <laughs> I firmly believe that he would absolutely cook, especially with a year or two with Travis to learn how that kind of works. And yeah, you know, it would be an easy passing of the torch, I think, with the skill set that that dude has. And he's also a free agent. That's the main reason I'm saying. But 
you know, I'd like to see that plus, you know, another wide receiver one, you know, time to cough up in free agency. Let's be real. Yeah. And draft, you know, a couple of them. Like I, I'd be here for, uh, you know, similar to what we did with the old line a couple of years ago after that Super Bowl that we won't talk about again. Um, I think the receiving core needs a similar overhaul. By the way, uh, by the way, that um, that was uh, McCole Harbin trying to hand it off to Daryl Williams. So there you okay. go. Uh, TJ Watt took it back for an easy touchdown. Uh, to your point, and this is the last Correct. thing I want to discuss before I let you go. Um, look, yeah. I love Chris Jones. I think the guy is awesome. It's just, you know, he's always had Aaron Donald yeah. ahead of him. And, you know, I know last year yeah. people said that Jones was better than Aaron Donald. And I agree. But I think overall during last both their year times, was, but overall, no chance. Yeah, overall. Um, but Chris Jones has been awesome. I think I know he went a very, very long time without a sack in the playoffs. But what he did in Super Bowl 54, if he's not there, the Chiefs don't come back and win that game. What he did in that nope. AFC championship game last year, the sack late in the game, that was a huge difference maker. Cause if not, I think the Bengals go down the field and get an easy field goal. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, and I know there were some, some hard feelings with the, um, with the training camp holdout. And I definitely had my thoughts. I will say this. I will say back then what I'm about to say now, you got to let Chris Jones walk and don't even franchise tag him because if you franchise tag him, I think, you know, if teams are, you got to be strategic here. Let Kansas city yeah. deal with that franchise tag. I would not want to take that off their hands. Let them be in a salary cap bind because Chris Jones, unless he's willing to take a very generous deal, which I doubt because he's up there in age and he wants a few more million dollars before his time is up. Um, and he should. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He should. Like, but the Chiefs cannot. I'd love to see him in red and gold. Yeah, I, I do not want to see that guy in another team's jersey. It would kill me to see that. Nope. But you got to fix your. Um, you you got to keep Legereus Steed. You got to keep Creed Humphrey. You got to keep Trey Smith. And you got, as you said, the wide receivers. And I think the only way you can do that is you got to let Chris Jones walk. I think you pay Creed. I don't know so much on Trey Smith. Um, I think that. I mean, don't get me wrong, dude's a stud, but I think that he plays the position that is one that you don't totally pay the premium for. I mean, I guess Joe Tooney's contract comes off the books not too there's far from now, some so maybe speculation that money over that would make sense. There's some speculation that Joe Tooney could be a surprise cut. I I, I don't know. I don't I, I don't I don't agree, but some are saying that. Uh just means he's a restructure candidate then, realistically. Yeah. Uh because dude's been playing fine. Like, yeah, you know, he's not the one I saw getting cooked yesterday. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, that's the guy we just recently tossed 20 million at, and that seems like money well spent. Uh, Legereus Sneed, I'd love to keep by the same token. I also am, yeah, I think Veach has some things he's really, really good at, and some things he's kind of less good at. I think that drafting defensive backs is absolutely one of those things, whether it's Veach or someone else in the front office. I don't know exactly, you know, who scouts what. Uh, but I'd say that our record of drafting defensive backs is pretty damn solid. And so if he tells me he's going to let Sneed walk the same way we did with Charverius Ward a few years ago, yeah, he's shown the ability to get that done. Yeah. Uh, receiver, yeah, less. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it. It's just true. Like, And I know some of that's Andy as well. Uh, like Andy likes the little short jittery guys. Um, I personally would like another, you know, like I'd love that Odunze guy, Roma Odunze out of Washington, like just the big dude who likes to go up and moss people. Like, can you imagine Mahomes throwing to a guy like that or like a oh. Mike Evans where it's just like, you know, 
heck with it. You know, he's down there somewhere. Or even like D-Hop, if we had been able to sign him this year, you know, seeing Mahomes just chuck it up there like, yeah, he's down there somewhere. He'll go get it. Yeah. Like, I I think that'd be unfair. I mean, let's be honest. Mike Evans is absolutely like, yeah, I mean, I know he's a free agent this year as well. He'd probably be an expensive one, but before he'd be fun. Yeah. Um, Like, let's be honest. That dude made Johnny Manziel a Heisman winner. (laughs) Um, You know, he was absolutely just like, you know, run around, chuck it up there. Michael make a play. And can you imagine that with Mahomes' escapability? Good lord, they'd yeah. be a nasty tandem and be really fun. I'd love to that see takes it. Take some heat off of Kelsey, like you know, I'd love to see it. The, the wide the wide receiver fix the wide receiver fix is there this offseason, whether it's through free agency or the draft. I think you have to attack oh. both. Um, but yes. it's there. It is there this year for the Chiefs to do. There's too many guys to that need to be. The other one I'd really like to see is actually Brendan Rice, Jerry's kid. Um coming out of USC, he, and, and it's not necessarily because he's his dad. He's definitely not because his dad's the greatest and, you know, receiver of all time. But uh, he understands how to adjust to Caleb Williams, who does as much off-schedule stuff as Mahomes does. I think you get that sort of skill set in the room with Mahomes. Probably seems like a good thing. That's just me. That's but It's going to be a lot of rice. There's a lot of receivers I'd really like to have. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of rice on the team. You know, I'm okay with it. It's a good side dish. <laughs> Brown side rice, dish I, I like better. Um, <laughs> hey, man, uh, obviously you mentioned uh, we uh, met at KU. We obviously covered them a lot and did a lot of great things there. Uh, obviously, we've come a very long ways from the Charlie Weiss and Connor Ambry era. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, sort of. But uh, all right, man, uh, obviously it's been a really good year for KU, really good two years. Uh, what's your prediction for uh, for tonight's game? 42-28. Let's go, Hawks. Okay, I love it, man. 48-22. 42 28 Oh, 42-28. I was like, I, I know I already Two butchered that. All right, man. Uh, we'll keep in touch. Merry Christmas to you again. Thanks for doing this with me. I'll definitely bring you uh, come playoff time, and uh, we'll do this again sometime. Sounds good, man. Always a pleasure. All right, man. You take care. Good seeing you. Step into 2024 with confidence thanks to Manscaped, where resolutions are met and hairs are neatly kept. As the new year approaches, why not make self-improvement a breeze by keeping your body well-groomed? Introducing Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, the ultimate all-inclusive kit designed to help you feel clean-cut and confident as you should. Featuring the Powerhouse Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, this next-gen trimmer ensures precision and ease when tackling your toughest hairs. So kick off 2024 with a trim above the rest and use promo code FARZINE20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Their fifth generation lawnmower features two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. New year, new you, and definitely a new trimmer. Manscaped's got your grooming resolutions covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20 at Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code FARZINE20. Happy New Year to your balls. All right. Uh, I'll read a couple of other comments before I um, do the week 16 roundup here. Alan says, let Chris Jones go. Keep uh, Legereus need. 
and use that capital from a Jones trade. Okay, here's the thing. Um, and, and I'll say this again. If you tag Chris Jones, who is going to take Chris Jones off your hands? Because I think the Chiefs are going to be asking for a price similar to Tyreek Hill. Maybe you're not able to do that because he's he's older. Um, but I just don't know if because here's the thing. Strategically, if you're if you're the 31 other teams now, realistically, I don't think the Chiefs would send Chris Jones to a division rival um, or another top tier conference team unless they're paying a really nice price for him, which, again, I don't think that would happen. But if you're the other 31 NFL teams, wouldn't you say, hey, the Chiefs struggled a lot in 2023? Let's let them deal with that franchise tag because then they cannot compete with us signing, you know, veteran wide receivers. Um, that's that's what I would that's what I would want if I was one of the 31 other teams. Uh, but, you know, I think someone's bound to want to get him, but I don't think they want to get him uh, via a trade. That's why I don't know if he's worth franchise tagging. That's the one I would um, I'd be a little concerned about. Daniel says, let Sneed walk. Too many penalties called on him. I do agree. Um, listen, Sneed's had a weird career. His rookie year played great. Um, I think the only knock on him was availability his rookie year. If he was available all 16 games at the time, it was 16 games. Then he has a good shot at winning defensive rookie of the year. I think that year, um, then the following year, his second year, he, uh, obviously dealt with a, a very, uh, per serious personal loss. And didn't play a couple of games because of that, which I can completely understand. But even in the um, games where he was, he, he didn't play uh, the total stats from him. He allowed, I think, like the second or third most receptions among cornerbacks. And then this year, um, he he's played much better, much better football. And I think he played very good football last year too. He was one of the very few veterans in that secondary last year. Remember that we had a lot of rookies last year at the cornerback spot, and I think. Those rookie cornerbacks are are growing a little bit. They still make mistakes, but are playing great football this year. And this year, he has not allowed a touchdown. Uh, and he's gone up against a lot of great wide receivers. Devontae Adams twice, A.J. Brown, um, Tyreek Hill. So many great receivers he's gone up against this year and uh, has done pretty damn well. Yes, you're right, Daniel. The penalties are an issue. I think the Chiefs can work on that with him in the offseason. Um, you got to keep him. You, you, you got to keep him. I think uh, I would want him over Chris Jones. That's because I don't like Chris Jones skill set wise. I want Chris Jones over anyone else, but you know, he's going to cost you a lot of money. Sean says, have you guys noticed all the rest other teams have had before facing the Chiefs since week 11? Yeah, I know some people have mentioned that to me. That's not a big deal. I mean, look, the Chiefs and the Eagles both were coming off a bye for that Monday night football game. Um, and the Chiefs just came out flat in that second half. So, um, I, you know, it's it's to me that's not really a thing a lot of people have uh, mentioned that but um i don't really see that as a big deal what's up christopher i see you he's also saved us a lot i think you're referring to chris jones or legerious need i mean i think that comment would fit for both um chris jones has definitely been the savior in a lot of uh, situations for the chiefs and then you look at uh legerious need um you know, I, I think the game plan for a lot of these offenses is, hey, let's go out there and utilize the passing game. And I think a guy like Legereus Need has definitely played a, a role in preventing them from allowing big yardage uh, against top tier pass catchers. Um, the Chiefs have done really well against a lot of top tier pass catchers this year. So 
you know, even the best offenses, I can't say I'm too afraid of, but you know, here's what I fear in the playoffs. If you play a team like the Bills or the Browns uh, to come into Arrowhead, or maybe even a team like the Dolphins, depending on what happens with that number two seed, because the Bills, I think, do have a better shot at the number two seed than the Chiefs. Um, you know, it's going to be January, so no one's 100% at that point. And if the Chiefs offense continues to have missed opportunities or short-lived drives, well, then you're going to have your defense out there more often than not. I know the Chiefs, we mentioned this, the Chiefs won the time of possession battle by a wide margin, but was not even close to enough to win you the football game. So, you know, in general, you haven't done very well with time of possession. And if you're going to make your defense go out there constantly uh, on like short notice, when your offense can't even have, you know, three, four, five play drives, then yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Oh, you were referring to Snead. Yeah, no, I mean, again, the comment fits for both D. So um, I, I think I covered that there. So I, I'm glad you clarified though. Um, But I just don't know. Like I can see kind of like what um, the Dolphins were doing. They were using, uh, I think it was Mostert or HN. I can't remember. One of them was hurt. The other one uh, played. I think it was Mostert who um, was taking over that fourth quarter. Uh, you saw, um, uh, Zamir White or Abdul, I can't remember. I think it was White who uh, really took over that final drive, which again, I can I can cut the defense a little bit of slack. I know the game was on the line, but the defense only allowed six points. What else was the defense supposed to do? You know, when your offense is not stepping up and, and coming away with uh, opportunities, then, you know, the defense is going to get sick and tired of it. Uh, a, a good offense helps a good defense and vice versa. I'm sure you guys have heard that many times, so... Uh, listen, man, you're playing up. You're playing two of the four worst defenses coming up. Um, you 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 gotta come away with with two wins there. Um, but with the Chiefs' offense, you just never know, man. They keep saying it. They keep saying we're gonna get it fixed. Yeah, I, I've lost track how many times we've heard that. I know it's gonna be said on Travis Kelsey's podcast tomorrow, and I'll be posting about it. But how many more times are you gonna say it? I don't know, man. It's uh, It's been frustrating for sure. All right, let's get into the week 16 roundup here. Uh, Thursday night football, Rams 30, Saints 22. Saints rallied and made it closer than a lot of people w w expected. Um, but the Rams were able to hold them off. The Rams started the season three and six and then have won five of their last six. They've gotten healthier. I think the team just really loves rallying around the group of guys they've had. Uh, Nakua having a phenomenal, I think he's the best rookie wide receiver this year. Uh, Zay Flowers playing very well. Rasheed Rice playing very well. Uh, but Puka Nakua uh, just having a tremendous rookie season. Um, I think this guy should be in consideration for offensive rookie of the year. And, you know, if, if they can go into the playoffs full strength, the Rams, they're, uh, they're, I think they're a dark horse team in that NFC. I would say the Rams and the Browns. If I had to pick an NFC and an AFC team as potential dark horses in the playoffs, those are my two picks. Easy, hands down. Uh, which, by the way, let's go into that next game. Browns and Texans. Uh, listen, I know the Texans were without um, some of their key players, including C.J. Stroud, but the Browns keep finding ways to win. Good on them. They were without their kicker, so they went for two a lot. Um, 
obviously before the two minute warning, uh, they were going for it in the end zone because their kicker was unavailable, but they found ways to overcome all of that and good on them there. They keep finding ways to win. And Joe Flacco, man, uh, what a season he's having just a few games, but still, um, he's having more success this year than he's had the last three to four years. So good on him. I still remember his playoff run against the, um, or, or for the Ravens, um, just an outstanding run he had that year. One of the best postseason performances uh, you will see from from a guy. Um, and we're starting to see flashes of that. Hopefully he can stay consistent and do more of that. Bills 24, Chargers 22 with the Bills. They, were, uh, they, they had their backs up against the wall on the ropes there. Chargers made it very interesting, probably more than people thought, especially with the way they looked the week before. Uh, but hey, Bills found a way to win, and they are getting hot at the right time. Um, four of their last five games, they have won. And, you know, I, I know on uh, Fox Sports and ESPN, they actually compared the two teams. They have very similar stats, but uh, the Bills are the ones that are getting hot at the right time. And that's really what matters the most. Seahawks 20, Titans 17. Uh, here's the crazy part about this. Drew Locke had that great Monday night football game with that game-winning touchdown pass, that drive. And then six days later, going back to Geno Smith, he also has a game-winning drive and a game-winning touchdown pass. So in the span of six days, the Seahawks have game-winning drives with touchdown passes from two different quarterbacks. And I saw someone say on, um, uh, I think it was like a, a reply to me on Facebook or Twitter. I can't remember which one. Someone said, uh, oh, well, they're both backups. Okay, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that statement. Geno Smith has been playing like a starter the past couple of years, but let's just go with that comment. That makes it even worse for, for some of these teams that are desperate for a quarterback right now. So uh, good on the Seahawks, man. Uh, that's another team that's been picking it up lately. I don't think the Seahawks are going to make a deep playoff run. I've been a huge fan of Pete Carroll's for a very long time. I love that duo of him and Russell Wilson uh, back in Seattle. But, man, I've always been a big fan of Pete Carroll uh, during his time at USC's in Seattle. Um, good on them. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Seattle really picking it up. Uh, Dolphins 22, Cowboys 20. Cowboys slipping a little bit lately. And, in fact, I'll get into this later with the Eagles. But the Eagles are now back in control uh, of the division of the NFC East. The Dolphins, they finally beat a team with a winning record. So they got that monkey off their back. So... Uh, and I know uh, Mike McDaniel, um, they made a big deal about him and his uh, postgame speech to his team uh, after that and uh, how much they rallied around that. So Dolphins get their first win against a winning team, and uh, that was a big statement win for them against a team that needed a win as well. Patriots-Broncos, this is a really weird game, and uh, looked like the Broncos were out of it in the fourth quarter, but they found a way to tie it. But Sean Payton screws it up with very weird, terrible management Um late in the game in the final minute. They punt it back to the Patriots, calling the timeouts, essentially helping the Patriots. And then Bailey Zappi did his thing, and they got a game-winning field goal out of it. And usually when something like this happens on primetime games, I always like to tune into uh, local sports talk radio uh, for, like, the losing team just to hear their reactions. And I was listening to uh, sports talk radio in Denver. Man, I was actually very surprised to hear this. A lot of their fans want Sean Payton gone. Like, they are done with Sean Payton. They want him out. This Broncos team looks a lot better right now than they have in years past. Um, I don't know if I agree with getting rid of Sean Payton. And, and I think Russell Wilson is moving in the right direction a little bit. I know this game does not reflect that. But 
I, I mean, what are you going to do? Like fire a coach every year because you're not above 500 or you can't win the division, which is still up for grabs. But um, that is the uh, that is a story in Denver, surprisingly to me, at least. Eagles 33, Giants 25. The Giants did cut the deficit, but the Eagles able to hold them off as they bounce back and snap their losing streak. And this is what I was wanting to get into because we're obviously talking about the Chiefs and how much they've struggled lately. The Eagles lost three in a row and they found a way to win this game. And guess what? The Eagles are now in first place in the NFC East. Um, it just shows you, man, you, you know, you win and it feels like, you know, everything's right and you lose. Feels like it's the end of the world. I heard Matt Beasler on A10 talk about this today where, you know, in football, you're playing fewer games. So you lose one, you lose two in a row. It's, it feels like the end of the world. Uh, whereas, you know, in a sport like hockey, baseball, basketball, uh, you have a lot of games, so losing two in a row is not the worst thing in the world, but it doesn't feel that way uh, in uh, in football. It's a, it's a much different animal. So Eagles back in control of that of that division. Uh, Ravens 33, 49ers 19. Man, I had the 49ers winning this, and I thought this would be a much closer game. And I know the Ravens, they had a lot to say about Mike Florio. I think, uh, what did Lamar Jackson call him? What did Lamar Jackson, he... Um, he called him Mike Flores, I think, which I thought was funny. Um, hey, you know, the Ravens, they admitted after the game they wanted to make a statement. And hey, uh, well, we see you. Point very well taken. We saw that. We saw the statement win there. Uh, by the way, Brock Purdy with four interceptions. Um, you know, whenever people are doing this with Mahomes right now, oh, he was never good anyway. He was lucky or, or he had Tyree Kill, all these other things, even though he almost won MVP unanimously last year without Tyree Kill. And now with Brock Purdy, you know, everyone that has a chance is jumping on uh, Brock Purdy like, you know, he's not, he was never a good quarterback or anything like that. You know, everyone has bad games. Brady's had bad games. I still remember when the Chiefs destroyed the Patriots on Monday Night Football uh, in 2014. Uh, even New England fans wanted to move on from Tom Brady. And guess what? You want three more games and or three more Super Bowls. And that same fan base, by the way, was playing the whole, hey, you doubted us. You doubted yourselves, too. I mean, come on. Um, listen, 49ers will bounce back from this. It's a bad loss, of course, but they will bounce back from this 100%. Uh, so that is the Week 16 roundup. Christopher's asking, you think we trade MVS? Um or could the Chiefs trade MVS? No. Realistically, like, given the Chiefs' receiving core this year, what would a team give up for MVS with that contract, mind you? No, no one's, no one's going to want anything. I Honestly, I think you have a better chance of getting draft picks from Sky Moore and or Kadarius Tony than you could MVS because MVS nobody wants that contract unless he agrees to a brand new deal. And with Skymore and Kadarius Tony, it's like they're younger. They have, you know, potential skill sets, especially Kadarius Tony. I, you know, you're better off trading one of those guys than MVS. I, MVS. You're better off just letting him go. You really are. I mean, the guy just absolutely cannot play. Uh, him, KT, Moore, I mean, they all got to go. And those were your top three receivers coming into the season. Uh, Layla says, I'm with you on your picks. The Browns are good this year. Yeah. If the Browns are, if it's the Browns or the Bills coming into Arrowhead, and I think that is going to be your number five and six seed teams in the AFC, they're going to have the top two wildcard spots. Yeah, I think they can both beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, 100%. 
Uh, Bills, maybe the Chiefs can can find a way to win. Obviously, they were right there to, to do it. I don't think Josh Allen did anything magnificent. Like, you got off to a 14-0 start, and after that, what'd you do? So, I think the Chiefs could beat the Bills. I just don't know if it happens. The Browns, I, I, I'm actually scared of the Browns. Like, they're a good team. All right, let's do our Week 17 preview. Thursday Night Football, Lions versus the Cowboys. Uh, Lions, you know, they've been kind of up and down at times, but found a way to finally win the NFC North. So good on them. The Cowboys, they're a team that try to avoid uh, the, a long losing streak now as they are now behind in the NFC East. So got to go with the Lions on this one. Um, I like the Cowboys. I think that Prescott is playing better, and I think the Cowboys can challenge uh, teams in the playoffs and make a deep playoff run, but they got to start playing better. They got to start playing better. Patriots at the Bills. Uh, obviously, the Patriots got the better of the Bills earlier this year. Can the Bills right the wrong earlier this year? Because I said earlier, the number two seed is up for grabs. And I think, you know, if you're the Chiefs, you're hoping that they can get the number two seed. I don't think it happens, but you're going to be doing some scoreboard watching with this one now. And this is one of the games you want to keep an eye on. Another one you're going to be scoreboard watching Raiders at the Colts. Colts can win the AFC South. Raiders can still win the AFC West. So two teams uh, with the same record, I think, both with a chance to try to um, a chance with a division title. Colts have a better chance. Raiders have a huge uphill battle, but it's possible. Uh, it's still uh, it's still a possibility. I got to go with the Raiders on that one. I know I'm not giving uh, predictions now, but I got to go with the Raiders on that one. Dolphins at the Ravens. This might be the game that decides the number one seed. I got to go with the Ravens here. Um, they're just playing better football. And after a game like that, it's just so hard to go against the Ravens at this point. So. Uh, you got to think the Ravens keep that train rolling. Steelers at the Seahawks, two teams who have been up and down this year, but they're really picking it up late and right now. I know the Steelers just won one game, still um, got to do a lot to get things right, but um, they're in a good spot right now. Seahawks, I mentioned, they're really picking it up. Um, it's going to be a very interesting game. Chargers at the Broncos, two teams uh, in the division playing. Obviously, the Broncos still have a chance for the AFC West, so they have that to uh, play for. And then the Packers and Vikings, both teams 7-8. and eight. Obviously, neither team will win the NFC South, or North, excuse me, uh, but um, still an opportunity for the playoffs. The Packers, I think Jordan Love has shown some good things that he can do, but he, he needs some help on that offense. He really does. Um, cause there is some inconsistencies there. The Vikings, man, this is a team that I thought really picked it up, but you know, they missed Justin Jefferson for a few games. I think, you know, and I know I compare Kirk cousins to Alex Smith a lot because I think we took Alex Smith for granted. Yes. There was a ceiling with him. Fortunately, the chiefs have had Patrick Mahomes to move on with. Whereas with the Vikings, man, um, they go from, uh, from Josh Dobbs and then go to Mullins who had that horrific pass that was intercepted late in the game. Vikings still have a shot, but man, uh, I think they're missing Kirk Cousins right now. I think um, his value certainly has been understood now than it was at the time. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Big shout out to you guys in the chat on Facebook and on YouTube. And also for those who are watching or listening to the archive version 
on Apple, Spotify, wherever it may be. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. And also a big thanks to Zach Stegging up for joining me on the podcast. Always like having Zach on uh, the podcast. Uh, he and I have been friends for a long time. So uh, always good to talk to him and get his take on things with the Chiefs and everything else. So we'll definitely have Zach back on in the near future. I mentioned it uh, definitely uh, during playoff time. So very excited for that. Hey, uh, keep it locked right here. Keep it subscribed because we are going to start having uh, players on the podcast. I've been uh, talking about this for quite some time. Uh, I've been promising this would be a thing. Uh, like I mentioned, I've been talking to some uh, former Chiefs and uh, already uh, pinning down a couple of dates. So um, definitely going to be hearing from some former Chiefs in the very near future. So please subscribe. Keep it locked right here. Um, whether you're subscribed on the podcasting uh, websites such as Apple, Spotify, or whether you're following through Facebook and on YouTube. So appreciate you guys for all of the support. Yes, go KU. I'm going to go watch the Jayhawks against UNLV. Hopefully getting their first bowl win in forever. Definitely uh, hoping for that. All right, guys, my name is Farzi Vasugi, and thank you again for downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. I will be back tomorrow. We will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Talk to you guys then. Take care.